From Maintain Media, this is Digital Frontiers, a show about the people pioneering the digital economy in Asia. For show notes, visit us at maintainmedia.com. I'm Michael Walters, and on this week's episode of Digital Frontiers, we managed to catch up with the entrepreneur in residence from Muradi, Singapore, Joseph Ziegler. Muradi recently announced its first accelerator class in Singapore, with nine founders receiving funding. When we caught up with Joseph, we discussed his thoughts on the evolution of Singapore's startup ecosystem, whether your startup should be focusing on a consumer versus enterprise product, and where to get the best coffee. If you're currently interested in the startup scene, working in an established corporate, and looking to make that leap to founder, this is an episode not to miss. We hope you enjoy it. All right, Joseph, welcome to the show. Oh, thanks. Um, we're, we're sitting here having some coffee. I guess the first question I'd like to ask you, you sound like you're a coffee connoisseur. Top two places you get coffee in Singapore. Oh, um, Singapore. Uh, I like Jimmy Monkey because uh, I live in One North and okay. there's one coffee shop. Never heard of that. Okay. No, Jimmy Monkey is over in One North and they're nice because, uh, I mean, they do have like single origin coffee. They can actually do a pour over, which yeah. is very... Yeah. So that's good, and they've got a sandwich there called the Hulk, which is an avocado smash. <laughs> okay. And what's the, what's the other one? Is it called the Mason and Coco? Is that it? Over on Arab Street? Man, I gotta get out more. That place, so that's a good coffee shop because, so it's a coffee shop in Singapore, in Arab Street, with Japanese trained baristas that go to Tokyo in order to learn how to do the, oh. the craft, as I understand it. And it's my favorite coffee. So it's serious in there. It's serious coffee. And I lived in Melbourne, and Melbourne, like, it oh, sets yeah. the bar, like, yeah. Very, very high for coffee. Right. That one's. Aren't they famous for like kicking out Starbucks from yeah. Melbourne? There's like, yeah. there, is there like, there's maybe one Starbucks in I think, Melbourne? I don't even know if there's one left. Uh-huh. If you go to Starbucks, you're kind of banned from coffee <laughs> anywhere else. It's like the, the most time. elite coffee startup that there is. It's beyond, like, I asked a friend to take me to a place once, yeah. and he takes me to this place. He goes, This is the, the most pretentious coffee place. Because you want to order a pour over. I'm like, What is a pour over? He goes, well, Really good coffee, you can't mix it with milk. And I go in there, like, they actually go in, and I said, I would like, first I say, who's your roaster? Because apparently that's a question that you ask. They go, oh, we roast our own beans. I go, which origin? And they ask all these questions they're supposed to ask. And I'll take a pull over, and the guy goes, good choice. And he looks at me, and he pulls out all this special equipment, like a laboratory equipment, and he goes through, and he starts, and a pour over apparently is coffee you pour into a cup. Right. Which, where I grew up was called coffee. Right, right, right. And, and the guy goes through the whole thing, and my friend's with us, and we're looking at it, and 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 his cup starts to to leak a little bit. And excuse me, sir, the, the cup cup is leaking, and they're angry at us because we bruised the coffee, and so now they pour. They, I'll take it away. They pour it carefully into a new cup. It's our fault. And then I drink it, and it tastes it tastes like Nescafe. <laughs> so I don't know anything about coffee. <laughs> no, I think. Um... So what we're doing on this show is we're basically capturing coffee conversations with people in the startup ecosystem. Joseph uh, Ziegler started his career at Netscape, um, started a company called Iris. He was also the startup business development manager with Amazon Web Services, and then just recently started um, managing in Singapore the Marudi Accelerator Program from Australia. Is that correct? Right, so I'm the entrepreneur in residence for Muradi, okay, uh, which is which originally started in Sydney and is uh, opening up and taking applications in Singapore. So, uh, so Muradi is what's called an accelerator, and sometimes for people that like aren't in the tech scene or just starting to maybe jump in, yeah. maybe you can explain like, what's the difference between an incubator, accelerator, a venture builder, and a VC firm. Like, sure, sure. I mean, 
So if you look at a, if you look at a startup, and a startup goes through different phases in the ecosystem, kind of goes through different growth phases. And very early on, you kind of you're sitting there, you're, you're playing with an idea or a problem, and you're probably bootstrapped in that case. Hmm. It used to be you kind of go for money, what we call friends, families, and fools money, which yeah. is kind of sad in this. I guess it's hard to do numbers because it's different in every region. But let's say you know ten to forty thousand dollar range, uh, and that's where people would go and ask for. People would basically invest in you, not so much your idea, it's right. your parents and your friends and all right, of that. Right, right. Uh, and then you can start to go into formal funding as you move out. So incubators and accelerators tend to sit kind of where that used to sit. Mm. So this sits within the part of, of the startup's growth where you've got a small team, probably two, maybe three people. You've got an idea, you made some progress, you've tested that idea, and now you want to get it to a certain amount of traction through a program. The main difference between an accelerator and an incubator is an accelerator is going to push you a lot faster. Right? It's going to compress a lot of training in there, mm-hmm. and you're basically expected to launch. Mm-hmm. So I kind of I kind of think of it as a like a nestful of little eggs, and then about you know three months or six months out, they pick you up and they toss you out of that, <laughs> that bird's nest, and either you fly or you kind of splat yeah, down yeah, on the yeah. ground. An incubator, I think, and you see less and less of these, mm. is more of a space that fosters and you know, allows the collaboration and has resources available. Mm. It's not necessarily pushing you. It's not like a boot camp. It's not like it. a boot camp okay. thing that's pushing mm. you through there. Mm. Um, and that part of the ecosystem, I think, is evolving now, too. So we've seen these first generation of incubators and accelerators that have come up, which is basically they're crowdsourcing. They sit there and they, they say, hey, a couple of guys come in, bring their idea to us. Right, right. We'll pick the best guys that have a chance that we can help, help out and succeed, mm-hmm. and we'll help launch them. Mm-hmm. Now people are trying towards this kind of venture builder model. Mm. And a venture builder model is why are we waiting for two guys with an idea? We say that we know how to build startups. We have experience. We've been doing it for a long time. Right. We have the resources. Right. Why don't we decide what we're going to build? We, t- we find the right CEO, not mm. a founder, but a mm-hmm. CEO. Mm-hmm. We give him the resources and we attack some markets on a particular portfolio. Mm. And that's where things have, are starting to evolve. That's one of the two places I think that this mm. model is evolving to. Mm-hmm. So Rocket was big on that. Yeah. Uh, now Rocket, of course, is part of that model. There is you know, the concept of first to market, but that's, that's their particular, let's say that's their vertical. But the mm. way that they do it, the way they spin up 10, 20 startups a month, mm. that is a certain skill set now. Right, right. And very, very sits in that kind of venture model. Right, right. GetaWorks is another one that does that. That's right. So that's one where, way that... There's another no obvious, obvious corp. Is, is that the Ev Williams one? They spun out like Medium, I think. Yeah. And, yeah. So they um, can sit there and say, we're going to build 10, we're going to build 20. Right. You know, what's, what's, what's your... I guess it's not so much an investment thesis, your build thesis for Rocket is first to market. Right. You take something maybe like in Southeast Asia, there's somebody who's doing uh, you know, e-commerce for Southeast Asia. Mm. So he's not spinning up stores, but he's creating the whole ecosystem mm-hmm. in that mm-hmm. case. So it's directed building. And that's, I think, the next kind of generation of where these things are going. And then on the other side for accelerators and incubators, what's interesting is you know, the uh, micro acquisition. Right. So... Right. Let's say you can take two people with an idea, let's say, or you know, two or three, it's at least two, right? Uh, and we can get them to the point where in six months, they can pick up enough funding where they can maybe last another year. In a year and a half, you're an acquisition target for a company because you have done something they can't do. Hmm. So you can, you know, like uh, Sunrise. Right. Or is it Accompli? Was the email that got acquired into Outlook? iOS, but you see yeah, these guys—they're yeah. not—they're not shooting for giant IPOs five, six years, 
you know, down the line. And my last startup, we took eight years to get an exit. They're looking at, they can build something better faster than, you know, an enterprise can. Now this starts to make a lot of sense. And the enterprise will just acquire the talent and the assets. Well, it acquires the whole product. So yeah. if, you, if you take a look, take a look at something like, if you wanted to do something like video stream, streaming company, Imagine how hard that would be to get through the process of an existing company in that space. Right. But if you could do something now where you can say, look, we've got massive video streaming capabilities, it's a great acquisition target. Right, right. Or we can solve you know, inventory management and right, working right. with Salesforce right. or something like that. Um, so you're saying, you're, when you say micro acquisitions, it's, it's even, even before you get funding, you might just be in... You know, well, you'll probably have some stage. funding, but okay. these, these kind of sit to the, like, you know, if you can work for, uh, let's say you build a team and you can work for a year and a half, two years, and you get acquired for 10 or $20 million, that's a pretty good return for everybody. Right. These, this is starting to get very attractive. Right. And as a company, think about that. So you can sit around, you can create this environment where people are, are doing ideas. It's mm. completely shut off from your company culture, which is right. built upon maybe years and years of having to deal with regulation mm-hmm. or everything else. Mm-hmm. You can wait around. You can you can see who the winners are. You can see the people who drop out because of their team. And you can sit there and go, they've got, they've got something we can do something with. We would have never done this. Or if we wanted to do this right now, it'll take us 10 times the cost. We can just buy this for 20, 30, 40, whatever millions of dollars. We can acquire the whole thing. We can you know, put the golden handcuffs on, right. on the people. Right. And now we've got a product at a much cheaper rate. So yeah. now we have, think of it as a marketplace for enterprises. Now yeah. there's a reason for enterprises to work directly with this ecosystem, not just to learn how to do stuff, but as viable ways to build products. It's like, it's almost crowdsourcing right. entire product streams. Right. And so that's where I kind of see the crowdsourcing model going in. Mm-hmm. And that's where it gets, uh, I think, a lot of the, the, the multinationals get quite exciting. So it's interesting, you know, the, uh, I was speaking with um, this, this guy's a chief innovation officer at a local bank here yesterday, and yeah. he was uh, explaining that of all the startups he's talked to over the years, like, you know, why don't you target more of the enterprise instead of the next consumer-facing app, right. you know? Because if you, if you take a look at Southeast Asia as yeah. a startup market... It's uh, consumer, consumer, consumer. consumer, consumer. Yeah. But, you know, who's making money in this region... It's right. the enterprises and the massive growth. Yeah. And um, so the startup might not be super sexy from a consumer perspective, yeah. but you know, if you build a tool for a bank or build a way to help a shipping company or an oil company, uh, maybe that's when you see these one and a half, two year acquisitions. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think, you know, also things are a bit you know, newer here. Yeah. We're still, I think we're just coming out, especially in Singapore. I would say that we're just kind of ending maybe that first generation. And, and, you know, so you talked to a lot of the guys before, you know, if you look at, at Luxola and you look at Trade Gecko, they're at a level now of experience. So Cameron going through one of the first batches within the accelerators here, he, he's now at the point now where he can feed his knowledge and his experience back in. So now I, I, right. I, I feel like we're kind of this second generation. Yeah. Maybe the U.S. is maybe third generation of these things so because we're in that first generation there's a lot of consumer apps there's a lot of I'm going to make the next flappy birds you know and those outliers just draw people to that direction and what you know they don't realize is 
you have the ability here to create something that's very valuable to a market, not necessarily a consumer market or an IPO market, yeah. uh, and you can do it with, with an advantage. Yeah. So if you're going to say to me, I'm going to spin up uh, the next uh, gaming company and I'm going to do it in Sydney, I would, I would say I can see some disadvantages to doing a gaming company in Sydney. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's a fairly expensive place to be. Right. Uh, there are some stuff, you know, the guys out of Brisbane have done other stuff, but there are definitely going to be more challenges to do that mm-hmm. as doing it maybe someplace else. Mm-hmm. If you do something very B2B, you can take a lot of the advantages to the market. Right. You know, look at Southeast Asia, 600 million people coming online. They're going to all now experience a lot of the, the requirements that we're kind of used to in, in other countries. They need payroll. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's tons of SMEs out there. Yeah. They need inventory management. These are problems you could solve in lots of different places in the world and understand better than maybe from the U.S. So essentially, so the ecosystem in terms of the way it's going to evolve here, you know, because people, it's not, it's almost not fair to call Singapore, try to call Singapore the Silicon Valley of X, the Silicon yeah. Valley of Saudi. It's like it shouldn't, it shouldn't be. They should be completely separate, right? Because the story here is going to evolve in a different way. Maybe it's through these micro acquisitions or through venture building plus traditional VC to build the, the confidence and the successes and the wins and to keep pushing more people into entrepreneurship. I think so. I mean, obviously when someone says the Silicon Valley of, that's like a big red flag. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah. that's so many generations back. That's yeah. Xerox park. That's right. that's <laughs> not something you're going to just be able to build. Yeah. I don't know if it's going to be something you want to build. Yeah. To be honest with you. It's yeah. very, of course it's very attractive. Uh, but if you look at, if you look at, here in, in Singapore, and I like to view Singapore as like a really great place to be in order to enter the markets of ASEAN. If you look at this, you know, it's got the you know, advanced, you know, infrastructure's insane, you know, do I want one gigabit or two gigabit into, into my place? The tax structure is amazing, the government's very uh, supportive in doing everything, we can, we can, we can get people to come in. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is a very small customer base. Right. If you look at the whole region, yep. but if I'm going to do something where I want to, you know, affect these different markets, uh, this is great. And and again, when we start to look at doing stuff from maybe a micro or micro acquisition, I don't know if that's going to be the right word. That eventually, like venture builder, is only like a three month old world. Okay. I'm sure there'll be a new one <laughs> for this. But if we if we take a look at we're building things to be able to do B two B and look at interacting with multinationals and enterprises in Asia. Singapore is a place to be for that. We've got access, you know, here we are in, in, in you know, Chinatown now. We've got access to all the businesses that want to make money in Southeast Asia. <laughs> they're, they're, they're down the street. All the, yeah. Just look at the skyscraper, look at the name on them, and that's what they're trying to do because this is a good place to do that. That's an advantage to this market. Don't waste it. I always say, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I've always said that too. It's like you've got not just the financial world here, but... All the FMCG groups, the Nestle's, Procter & Gamble's, Unilever, Dan, like they're all here. All their regional offices are all here. here. And tech, you got Apple, you got Google, yeah. you got Microsoft, you got Amazon, right? They're all sitting right here in different capacities. You know, it depends on what they have in the office. And then you also have the internet, uh, you know, guys too. There's LinkedIn's here, Evernote's mm-hmm. here, Twitter's here, yeah. Yelp's uh, got you know, some representation some, here. Yeah. So it's not. It's a very accessible market to do to do to work into these different places, and culturally, it's very mixed. How have you seen companies? And this is the question that always comes up for a Singapore-based startup, 
right? Especially a B2C kind of startup. You you have all the advantages of Singapore that you've outlined. Yeah. Then how do you grow? Because it's not like growing from California to Texas. Right. It, you know. I mean, Singapore versus Philippines versus Indonesia versus Taiwan, Hong Kong, like yeah. completely different markets, mindsets, everything. Do you, do you, have you seen someone in the market do it fairly well or do you have like a point of view about that? I mean, it's, uh, it's a very good question because it would be very naive to, I think, to look at these markets and not to discount, to, to discount the fact that culturally they're very different. Um, and has someone done a, a proper kind of pan Aussie play yet? I don't know if we have. Well, Rocket seems Rocket seems to have some formula too. And you mentioned they're like yeah. one of the first types of a venture builder. What have you seen? I uh, Rocket's. Just, yeah. I mean, they can they can just turn up a company so fast. Yeah. Uh, so, but they can treat those regions as, as I think different places. You, they yeah. spin up an Indonesian company and mm. they do a different one. Uh, there is there are there are like Acom. Take a look at what Acom's doing with uh, Arden Capital Arden. and uh, Adrian Banzel. Now, he's doing uh, what I would call a, a venture builder play. So he's very specifically spinning up startups to, to be the guy who has the entire Indian ecosystem for uh, e-commerce. And this is just my observations. I yeah. Yeah. He whispered that to me. Sure. So he's doing that across across the region. Mm-hmm. I think probably what we'll see here are startups that get and do quite well in one region, and then they'll they'll start to expand in the next. Mm-hmm. So here, of course, you know we've got Redmart who's sitting inside of, of Singapore. That's a very small base. Mm-hmm. You know, what's your next stop? Okay, let's start looking at possibly logistics, or let's yeah. start looking to see can we expand that to KL. That'll be some stuff. Mm-hmm. But I think also you're looking at uh, people who let's say. Let's say we just want to do Vietnam. Mm-hmm. We can have advantages by having this is our corporate base, just yeah. like Google, just like PwC, mm-hmm. uh, and we can start by designing that market. And Singapore is accessible. If I wanted to do, a, if I was wanting to do a Vietnamese play mm-hmm. that I wanted to grow outside of Vietnam and maybe hit like Thailand or something next, by basing it here, I've got what is an hour and forty-five minutes flight to uh, Saigon, Ho Chi Minh. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have the ability to move capital around. If I put money into Vietnam, it doesn't necessarily come out as easily. Right. So I hub everything here, and I'm able to get there, and I'm able to do that, and mm-hmm. then expand. Mm-hmm. So that's another reason why I see this. Yeah, maybe you have your development Vietnam. team in Vietnam, you've yep. got corporate headquarters corporate in Singapore, and customer start- success in Philippines, yeah. maybe. Yeah. And it keeps you looking also global, too, because you get very myopic if you're you know, a lot of these countries, there's a, there's a lot going on. It's a big, heavy culture. It's not like I grew up in Texas. I'll never go to Oklahoma. It's completely different there. It's, it's different in this part of the world. The cultural differences are huge. You said in Singapore, you see, you're able to keep a lot of view. You're able to take that meeting with Google. You're able to, you know, you're able to sit there and go. So Facebook, that's one of the biggest social medias in Vietnam. Apple, that was one of the biggest growth markets. You're going to get, be able to do a lot of that strategy here, but still be very effective in that market. And then you can move forward to Indonesia and the other place. And, and maybe um, expanding regionally from Singapore lends itself better to enterprise, maybe. Because well, I mean, it, do well with a big brand in here, yeah. they'll well, that's let you... Built for it. They've done it for the last generation, mm. right? They've got, they've got the MCs to come here with the idea that that's, this is the place to do it, to, to yeah. be able to grow out. Um, but not everyone's doing it that way. I think, you know, you know uh, Trade Gecko is doing it global. They're doing it globally here. Yeah. Well, I mean, they seem to be doing well with getting, you know, inbound uh, interest to the site, get yeah. people to sign up. We don't necessarily have to be like an Aussie in play. Right. 
Right. But That's if you're going point. to do a global play, again, take take it. You know, take the advantages of a market and look at the disadvantages. Yeah. If you want to do something, you know, I, sometimes I sit with, with people in Australia. Australia's got a free trade agreement with the U.S. If you're sitting there and you're saying, I want to do this, and it fits very much into that Silicon Valley model, mm. but I want to do it from, you know, Sydney. So uh, you can do that, but there's going to be some advantages and disadvantages yeah. of, of yeah. doing that. Right, so like Atlassian, the guys in Atlassian, which is one of the you know really big uh, software companies to come out of Australia, they say we've chosen to do it here because mm-hmm. this is where we want to do it. Yeah, we pay the extra tax to do it. We 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 deal with those disadvantages because this is our lifestyle. We want to do it this way. You right. can, right? But it's harder. So right. that's where you kind of look at. Well, should you just do that in Silicon Valley or not? Yeah, I met the guy, Joel, from Buffer, who really ah. pioneered the whole idea yeah. of absolute transparency. Yeah, like everyone's yeah. spreadsheet uh, folder with someone. Yes, and you can access any email you want. Um, but I think that's the culture they took on because he, he did want that distributed uh, office, that lifestyle yep. of, of Roman. And last update I saw, he's like going to be in Hawaii for two months. And so I'm jealous because you know, I want to get back. Don't, to don't trust those, those guys, <laughs> the Hawaiian guys. No, um, you just have to, I think you have to understand how the ecosystem works. If mm-hmm. you, if you think like in Singapore, you're going to build a consumer facing social app, uh, you're going to get massive funding without the kind of traction that requires it, uh, because people in Silicon Valley can do that. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's a realistic situation right, here. Right. So, uh, and there's different costs and there's right. different, uh, factors to come in. Yeah. Um, so if you're going to build something, take advantage of what we have here. Yeah, I think I think the enterprise angle is is could be the story of this what you're calling this next phase, um, and maybe that's a good you know. So explain a little bit to me on Maru D and and what what excites you about being the entrepreneur in residence there and what you're you know. So as an accelerator accelerator program, I'm sure you're going through the application process of you know accepting X amount. If I think you might have already accepted a few. Or maybe you want to just tell me how, sure. how it works. So uh, the programs already existed in Sydney, and they did uh, just a fantastic job. Uh, they had their, their first batch in and had some great successes out of the first batch. Uh, even one of them uh, received uh, over, I guess it was $1.7 million, $1.7 million in funding before Demo Day. Okay. Okay. If you can imagine, if we had that success up here in Singapore, that yeah. would that would be really big news. Yeah. Uh, so it's been a good, it's, it's been a successful program in that case. Mm. Uh, and the second batch, as of today, of recording day, is is, uh, is is just wrapping up and okay. going into demo day. Sure. Uh, you, sure. you can see all of this at ru-d.com. <laughs> Shameless plug. Yeah. <laughs> um, but they've had, they've had a really good success, and uh, they decided to. This is going to be the next place for expansion in Singapore. Yeah. Uh, now. We uh, we have a program in six months. Uh, the one in Sydney uh, was forty thousand dollars for six percent okay. uh, investment. Uh, I, I think we have some ability to look and see where that lies. Depending on this is a new this is we're be doing our first batch up here. So we're sure. gonna be we're a startup. We're gonna be testing our idea batch yeah. one. We're gonna try to do things a certain way. Okay. We're gonna test that and see what works and that doesn't work, and then you know, we'll adjust for the next batch. Uh, but we're funded out for quite a long time. Uh, we're situated in Amoy Street, 
So it's some beautiful uh, shop houses. Some shop houses mm -hmm. right across the street from. I think you know. I think if I look out the window, I can see the PwC. I can see Ernst and Young. I can see uh, Amazon Web Services. I can see Google. Uh, so that's pretty exciting place to have uh, people who are interested to take advantage maybe this 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 new model. What, now, what is what is the persona of the the founder you're seeing? whether it's Sydney or here, mm -hmm. applying for accelerators because the, uh, I think people are fascinated as well with the decision to stop working for their full-time yeah. job and then jump into something, whether I it's mean, accelerator or something else. It, so, the, I mean, the demographics, I think, in Australia would be very different than here. I mean, because Sydney is, is it's, it is, you know, it's the finance capital of Australia. And, and so it's very accessible and the diversity, uh, is, it, they, although they had applicants from around the world, it's going to be different than here. I can tell you what excites me though, because I don't know what we're going to get for this uh, in our funnel yet, because we yeah. haven't, uh, as of today, the funnel sure. is not open. Sure, sure. But in addition to getting, you know, the classic, I think the young, smart, you know, guys like, like the Glintz guys, for example, mm -hmm. you know, it's like, oh, should we go to the university? Should we get guys here? Right. In addition to that, I want to look at this other side of the spectrum. I want to find the, the the people who maybe are sitting within a successful company. Let's say, and I'm not picking anyone. In, in, let's say we had, I'll just. Like someone at Bain who's sitting there who understands, let's say, logistics mm. and is the master. He's like, I don't know if they have logistics practice. I'm just pointing. Yeah, <laughs> no. yeah. Let's say they had some kind of practice like that. And he sits there and goes, man, I'm, I'm, I've been doing this for a while. I've always wanted to do a startup. I don't understand all the startup methodology. I'm a bit uh, you know, adverse to, to risk when it comes to this technology. Yeah. But I know that I have a way to make logistics better for Indonesia. Which you know, hundred million dollars in e-commerce investments. Right. How are you going to deliver this stuff? Right, right. Three hours of traffic jams. Yeah. I would love for to have an environment where this guy could come in and say, apply. He gets sabbatical from the company for six months. Right. We you know we, we make sure everything's covered so he can stay in Singapore, which is pretty easy to yeah. do. We provide him with all the support of here's how you do the startup stuff. Here's how you do your lean canvas. Here's some of the classes you have. Here's some technical resources. Go, you're the domain expert. We'll provide you that. I would love to have some applications like that. Yes, I think that's a good that's, example of how you take advantage of the strengths of your region because you have an incredible expat. Yeah, uh, it doesn't population. have to be an expat. Any, just any like right. somebody who's reached a certain in the corporate level of their their career. Yeah. And if you think about it, one of the one of the things, one of the goals that we've got on our program is to pay it forward and to build the ecosystem. Right. right? We're not right. looking up. We don't have limited partners. We have to answer to. Right. 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 Uh, we're funded through a Telstra uh, in Australia. I think mm -hmm. I should mention that. Yeah. Who. You know, what largest telco, to largest telco yeah. in Australia, who's handed to, you know to us part of this mission is to pay it for and grow this ecosystem. If we could take somebody who was going to sit in this corporate environment to the end of their career out mm. and put them and get them successful in a startup, think about how much we're going to add to that ecosystem yeah. in the next generation. So yeah. this is somebody now who has made this transition, who has massive knowledge yeah. base. So when the guys who do come out through like NUS and they're ready to do a startup. We've got a much more rich ecosystem. Right. You're mixing. Absolutely. Yeah. So I'll be excited. We're going to be meeting with mentors, potential mentors, potential partners. I'd be excited if one of them goes, I'm just going to apply to the program. Right, right, right. You know, I, I've decided I wasn't going to mentor 
but I think I'm going to, that would be just great. And then we yeah. can get a, a, a fantastic spectrum, I think, of applicants. Well, maybe, and maybe for a large company, it's, it's a way to retain talent. Yeah, you know? exactly. If you like, have some, go take six do, months and, off. And, and if they have the ability to do a sabbatical, yeah. you know, great. And then they might build something that, that solves the company's problems. Maybe this is someone who's been frustrated and has said, I need to get this thing done. Can't do it within the company. Does it as their own startup that they, yeah. they own. Builds it up, they sell it back to the company, back right, into right, it. That's right. a great story, right. I think. And that's an it almost, you know, that gives you this innovation center yeah. that you can do. And big, big companies, they want to do innovation centers. Uh, yeah, I, I could probably yeah. give you a list of like twelve people who would who would be in your like pipeline for that. Sure, like sure. People, Banks, whether it's banking yeah. or whatever, they're just yeah. ready to to try something different. Exactly. So if we could do something in environment that is safe for them to do it, provide that extra support. In addition to attracting, you know, uh, you know, younger people who maybe are, are early on and very hungry and very scrappy, if we had that spectrum, I think we'd have a very successful model uh, to be able to build startups that yeah. are attacking this area yeah. uh, in Southeast Asia. So, I mean, as, as just kind of closing this out, is there is there is there anything you else you have a uh, fairly strong point of view about for the ecosystem in general? Since that's a part of the the mission, is it? Topics around uh, finding development talent or startup culture or, you know, whatever. I, well, development talent, that, that you have probably pointed out. So where, where do we have challenges in the Singapore ecosystem? And I think development talent is absolutely one of those challenges. And I've worked with startups that uh, development is, is harder to get here in Singapore. It's expensive uh, uh, and it's hard to do. Mm-hmm. In that case, I think we need to look at this as the complete ecosystem has to have a relationship with one of these economies that we can get really good dev talent. I'm excited in, in Vietnam. I've seen some great developers there yeah. uh, and working with a, a company who's going to build up a development house there. The level in English is good. So I think Singapore itself is not going to be the kind of place you're necessarily going to have 20 developers sitting and, and doing the work. Right. But it is such a place that you could have 20 people they're very talented, and you could do something like Misfits uh, wearables. They have their dev house. Mm. In, you, know, mm-hmm. uh, you could have that dev team there. You could they could be doing very innovative work, exciting work. They can be a part of the company, not an outsourcing center, and you can get to them quickly. Right. And between those two ecosystems, you have quite a big advantage now. Yeah. So you're not sitting there maybe in San Francisco. Communicating with people on the other side of the world, you're communicating people within one hour time difference. Right, right. That, I mean, literally, if they called me right now today, what is, you know, at this time, I could be in the office this afternoon, right, right, and I could sit and work with them. That's taking advantage of the ecosystem. That's so, you're you're probably the sixth person that has mentioned specifically Vietnam about I, you know development talent in the last two weeks. Very except ho- hopefully uh, working with the development uh, house out of Europe who's looking to spin up. Uh, a venture builder tech side of the venture builder. Cool. Been pushing them heavily. I think, I think that Vietnam's a place to do it. Uh, so hopefully there's going to be an announcement of that quite, quite soon. Very nice. And then, then, then we're pretty good for an ecosystem, I think. Uh, okay. That, that's a perfect way to end this. What, what, anything else, any events you have coming up or how, how can people find you? On, yeah. Thank online? you. Can I do a sh- my shameless plug? Sure. Okay. Shameless plug. Yeah. Uh, Joseph Ziegler, uh, uh, entrepreneur at Resident Murrow D. We will be at Tech in Asia. We will be buying drinks after Tech in Asia. Uh, we'll be at uh, Walkabout. Uh, you can you can find us at Murrow D. Uh, it's Murrow-D.com. All of our events are there. We're going to have a partnering mentoring session with drinks also, uh, an investor session if you're interested. Or you can go to Murrow-D.com slash apply.
Perfect. Appreciate that. <laughs> Perfect. Thank, thank right. you for coming in. Digital Frontiers was produced by Andrew Roth and me, Michael Walters. We hope you enjoyed the show. You can leave us a review on iTunes. If you have any questions, please go to our website at maintainmedia.com and leave a comment in the show notes. If you want to be notified of future episodes, please sign up for the newsletter.